0: Hi everyone, my name is Simon and I'm very happy to welcome you to a new episode of the PwC and PwC Legal Workforce podcast. Today I'm joined by Jessica Debels and Thomas Buysse to talk about the Belgian government's 2022 labour deal. This is a set of labour market reforms that's aimed at increasing flexibility for both employers and employees as well as reaching an employment rate of no less than 80% by 2023. Jessica Thomas, welcome, very glad to have you on the podcast. Before kicking off, um, could you perhaps briefly introduce yourselves?
1: Yeah, sure, Simon, of course. So my name is Jessica DeBels and I'm an attorney in the PWC Legal Employment Law team. I always had a special interest in new ways of working and especially how the legal framework should evolve to keep up with these trends. So you can imagine, I'm very excited to be here today.
2: And uh, hello from me as well. I'm uh, Thomas Basse, I'm also an attorney in the employment law team together with Jessica. And Just like Jessica, I've always been interested in in how the legal framework may or may not accommodate and facilitate uh, new working models. And how labor deal can drive, uh, or labor law rather, can drive uh, our economy, uh, just like many others. I'm really eager to learn more about uh, the government's initiatives
0: and and their labor deal. All right. Again, welcome to both of you. I suggest that we take this back to the very beginning, February 2022. That's quite some time ago already, when the government reached their first agreement on the labor deal after quite a detour. It was submitted to the chamber in uh, July, right before the summer, and has now been voted into law. However, if I recall correctly, the deal was initially met with a somewhat, let's say, lukewarm response from virtually everyone outside of the government's coalition parties. And I'm very interested to get both of your takes on this, um, but at the end of the podcast. First, let's dive into the details um of the podcast of excuse me, of the labor deal itself. Flexibility and maintaining a healthy work-life balance were clearly front of mind when the labor deal was drafted. So Jessica, as you're currently in the home stretch of writing a book on this very topic, perhaps you can elaborate some more on on this topic. By the way, short side note for our listeners, I was fortunate enough to be able to already read Jessica's book and it's definitely, definitely a must read for every HR legal professional. So keep an eye out um, on our website, LinkedIn page, because more information will follow soon. Now back to the podcast, flexibility in the labor deal. Jessica, perhaps you can start with the topic that probably has been reported on the most, uh, the four day working week
1: yeah of course it's perfect Um, so the four day working week is in a sense quite self-explanatory it's a system that gives full-time employees the opportunity to work their full-time weekly working hours over the course of four instead of five days it's important to stress that your total weekly working time will remain the same you're just going to work four longer days and have an extra day off
0: i can i can see how that uh, could help some employees to better balance their work and in, in private life. Important question perhaps, will employees have a, have a right to start working that four day working week?
1: Well, not exactly. So both the employer and the employee have a role to play. The employer will need to set up the necessary framework for the four day working week. They have to do so via the work regulations or a collective bargaining agreement. The employee can then request a four day working week after which it's up to the employer to accept or refuse. If the employer accepts, then an individual agreement must be concluded with the employee for a renewable period of maximum six months. However, if the employer refuses, they must really duly motivate uh, the refusal uh, because the employee cannot be treated less favorably uh, as a result of the request and benefits from a special protection against dismissal, which means that they cannot be dismissed except for reasons unrelated to the request.
0: Okay, uh, a quick follow-up question from my part, which at first glance probably seems easy enough. You continue to work full-time, so I guess there's, in principle, no impact on your salary benefits? uh.
1: Yeah, that's correct, or at least that's the intention. Um, But we have to take into account that for some aspects, this is very straightforward. eh? You will, for example, continue to get paid your full-time salary. However, in Belgian labor and social security laws, some benefits are awarded per working day or calculated based on the number of working days. So if you're working four instead of five working days, this might have an impact. Let's take, for example, meal vouchers. It's very common for a lot of employees in Belgium. These are granted per effective working day. Uh, If you're working four instead of five days, you might receive one meal voucher less. Also, for example, the build of build-up of legal pension rights, those are also calculated in working days. And the list goes on. So the problem is that the labor deal doesn't explicitly address these issues. And we believe that some more legislative action is needed to make sure that employees who start working a four-day working week aren't adversely affected.
0: Okay, uh, it will be very interesting to see how and and when this issue will be tackled. Next to the four-day working week, the labor deal includes another new flexible working time arrangement, the the alternating weekly work schedules?
1: Yes, and again, the title is a bit of a giveaway. Um, So this system allows full-time employees to alternate between two different weekly working rosters, averaging out a weekly working time over a two-week cycle. So in other words, during one week, the employee will work up to nine hours per day and 45 hours per week, and will compensate this with equally more time off the following week. One of the most obvious use cases for this new system are employees who co-parent. So during the weeks they have the kids, they can work less and compensate this by working more the following week. In principle, the cycle is limited to two consecutive weeks, but for example, during summer periods or if you have exceptional uh, circumstances, this can be extended to four weeks. And just like the four-day working week, the initiative lies again with the employee to request the application of the new system, and the employer can choose whether or not to facilitate this. If they do facilitate this, they have to adjust the work regulations and conclude an individual agreement.
0: So quite some similarities between both systems, which I guess makes sense since they're both flexible working time arrangements and they share the same goal, uh, namely helping employees to better balance their work and private life. Um, But I believe that these are not the only labour deal measures that pursue this goal, right?
1: No, exactly. There are other labour deal provisions that have a clear focus on improving work-life balance of employees. First thing I think of is, of course, the right to disconnect, but also, for example, the upfront communication of variable working schedules for part-time employees. Especially the right to disconnect or the right for employees to be unreachable was long awaited. Companies with at least 20 employees will have to introduce rules to make sure that their personnel are not required to answer calls or respond to emails outside of their normal working hours. The rules must be laid down in a CBA or if there's no union delegation in the work regulations. As it stands, employers will need to meet this obligation by January 1, 2023. That's the reason why today we are already assisting various clients with setting up this framework as we speak. As I already mentioned, the other measure that's really aimed at balancing employees' work and private life is the deadline for communicating the work schedules to part-time employees that work variable working schedules. Currently, the work schedules for these employees have to be communicated at least five working days in advance. By changing this to seven working days, the predictability of when an employee will have to work increases and allows them to better align with their private life.
0: Thanks, uh, thanks, Jessica. I think that about covers the labor deals, work life balance measures. But as far as working time arrangement are concerned, there's still one we haven't talked about, um, night work in the e-commerce industry.
1: Yes, and uh, it's a contentious topic for quite some time already, uh, because the strict Belgian regulations on night work, they are believed to hamper the competitiveness of Belgian e-commerce companies, uh, especially in comparison to our neighboring countries. So the ask for a revision was already long standing. Um, I just want to po- point out that we're using the time the term night work now, but it would perhaps be a bit more apt to talk about late evening work because the measure included in the labor deal uh, really concerns working between 8pm and midnight. So uh, introducing a work schedule that includes those late hours in e-commerce was already possible, but to implement it will now become so much easier. So either the company has to adjust its work regulations or it can conclude a collective bargaining agreement, but, and this is very important, the agreement of only one union is required. In practice, this was often considered an obstacle when trying to implement such a system, so I feel that this will be applauded uh, uh, by by a lot of companies in Belgium. Um, In addition, the Labour Deal also foresees the possibility to introduce a a sort of late-night work experiment, um, this experiment can go on for a maximum duration of 18 months, during which it can ask its employees to work between 8pm and midnight on a voluntary basis. After this trial period uh, or experiment period, uh, all parties involved had a chance to experience this way of working and they can decide if they want to continue to do so moving forward.
0: Thanks, <clears throat> sorry, thanks Jessica, that, that's very clear. Um, now. Let's change gears a bit and focus on another major part of the labor deal, which are the provisions that are aimed at maintaining or increasing the employability of, of workers. I'm turning to you now, uh, Thomas, um, and I suggest that we kick off by talking about the new possibility to start working with a new employer, even during the notice period.
2: Yeah, indeed, that's, that's entirely correct, Simon. Uh, so this new possibility is called a transition process. And in short, this allows an employee whose employment agreement has been terminated uh, by serving uh, a notice period to already start working at another company during uh, said set notice period. The employer can then take the initiative himself uh, and offer that uh, transition process, or the employee can request it uh, him or herself. Either way, uh, this entire transition process is always entirely uh, voluntary.
0: Interesting. And how is this uh, process structured? Does the employee immediately join the workforce of, of this new employer?
2: Uh, no, no, not at first. Uh, so during the transition process itself, the individual remains uh, employed by their soon to be former uh, employer, and is then put at the disposal of the new employer. This will be facilitated by either a temporary agency uh, or a temporary employment agency or a regional employment agency. Uh, And the setup will be formalized in a a four-party agreement with all all parties involved. Uh, The fact that the individual remains the employee of the first employer also means, of course, that that's the one who will be paying the salary of the employee during the entire process. Uh, and in this respect, it's it's worth noting that if the wage or the salary for the position, the new position of the employee, is, is higher with the new employer, yeah, then the old employer will have to pay a higher salary. Uh, um, the labor deal does state that the new employer should partially compensate the initial uh, employer
0: for these salaries,
2: uh, but it contains no specifics uh, as to the amount.
0: Okay, still a bit of um, uncertainty there. Perhaps I will be clarified um, in the future. So what happens at the end of the notice period and of course then also the end of the transition process? Mm.
2: At the very end of the entire process, uh, the new employer will be obligated to offer the, uh, the new employee with an employment, uh, an employment agreement for an indefinite duration, in fact. If he does not do that, so in case of non-compliance, the new employer will have to pay the employee an indemnity, uh, and that indemnity will be equal to uh, the salary for uh, half of the duration of the of the past uh, transition process.
0: All right, all right. Thanks. We'll have to see how this one pans out in practice. Interesting system. Um, another one of the labor deal's employability measures is squarely aimed at getting employees whose employment agreement is terminated, additional support to coach them into a new employment as soon as possible, which is, of course, very important to get to that um, 80% uh, employability rate. Could you elaborate on that some more, uh, Thomas?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, Now, conceptually, this is nothing new. It's another way to try to use part of an employee's termination package for additional uh, employability activities. Uh, the concept was first introduced already in 2014, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but never got any real traction and, and it will be redesigned now. Uh, the system will, as was the case before, be applicable to employees whose employment agreement is terminated by uh, a notice period uh, of at least 30 weeks or an equivalent uh, indemnity in year of notice. Um, now, what's new today is the fact that in case a notice period is applicable, the employee will be entitled to pay time off to follow these additional activities eh, to improve their employability. Uh, And if the employee's employment agreement is is terminated by by paying indemnity, so not serving a notice period, then they have to keep uh, themselves available to follow these additional activities until they find uh, a new employment
0: perhaps just to to clarify activities to improve employability. what what does that mean exactly?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a bit vague. Uh, the text of the labor law or the labor deal currently does not define this this notion or this concept, but I, I would assume that it concerns yeah, training, coaching, things like that. Uh, The text does mention that if it concerns additional outplacement assistance, which we already know, that the quality of that uh, or the quality requirements uh, must also in this respect be respected.
0: Okay, but but to be clear, this new system does not in any way, shape or form replace the legal outplacement obligations?
2: No, 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 not at all. It's something completely different that
0: exists alongside the existing system of outplacement. Okay, thanks, I think that's an important one. Talking about training to improve employability, that's a, a perfect segue to the Labor Deal's new training obligations for employers. Uh, again, Thomas, I'm, I'm looking uh, to you. Could you briefly touch on that as well?
2: Yeah, now I, th- I think we all know uh, that the speed with which, for instance, technology evolves requires well, basically all of us huh, to have a, a mindset of lifelong learning. And the belgian government recognizes the need for continuous learning and, and therefore also included an individual entitlement to training for employees in this labor deal uh, going forward companies with uh, or in companies with 20 or more employees every full-time worker will be entitled to three days of training per year and that will gradually increase to four days in 2023 and 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 five days in 2024 Um, Also in companies with at least 20 employees, the employer has to draft an an annual training plan, which contains all the formal and informal training uh, in and
0: outside of the company. Thanks Thomas, that's that's very clear. Um, Last but not least, um, a topic that has been talked about, um, not just in the framework of the labor deal, but over the last couple of years, the employment status of um, platform workers.
2: Yeah, indeed, absolutely. Uh, the employment status of platform workers, uh, to, to clarify, uh, the, the Uber drivers and the delivery riders. Um, yeah, it has been a, this, the subject of heated debates and many heated debates over the past few years, as is also demonstrated in, in PwC Legal's uh, annual gig economy report. Um, and with this labor deal, the federal government has, has finally tried to bring more clarity and also legal certainty to the debate. Uh, both for the individual as well as for the the platforms Um, what the labor deal will do is it will introduce a set of eight criteria that should help determine whether a platform worker is an employee or a self-employed individual and these criteria will create a legal presumption of employment uh, but it will yet remain to be seen whether it will indeed bring the much needed uh, legal certainty uh, because platforms will still be able to challenge the presumption by demonstrating that there is in fact no authority and that the individuals still have sufficient freedom in the execution of of their tasks. Uh, in any case, the discussion will will continue further. I think, and me personally, I'm I'm very curious to see how the courts will deal uh, will how, how we'll will deal with this matter in the
0: future. So clearly, something that's uh, that's to be continued. Uh, Absolutely. I guess, yeah. Um, I think that about covers everything we wanted to talk about uh, today. Um, Before we conclude, however, um, I'd like to ask both of you uh, for some brief closing remarks on the Labour deal, as I said at the beginning of the podcast. Also, whether you think that the initial lukewarm response um, was warranted. Um, Jessica, perhaps you can go first.
1: Yes, of course. Uh, Well, I feel that today as an employer, It's all about being able to offer various opportunities and benefits to your employees. So after that, it's up to them to really see which benefit they want to choose and sign up for in light of their personal lifestyle and their personal lives. This shift towards employee-driven HR policies is the leeway you really need if you want to remain relevant as an employer in the war for talent. And I feel that this change was also reflected in the labor deal. The Belgian government saw what's going on in the labour market and saw which topics are important for both employers and employees. And trust me, I know that many critical minds argue that the measures are not extensive enough. And I understand because, for for instance, with regard to the 4-day working week, we saw that in several countries, such as Dubai and Spain, that they've gone a step further and they are really thinking about introducing a 4-day working week, week with reduction of working hours and salary retention. So, I really understand the criticism, but taking the current economic and social context into account, I do feel that the decision to reduce working hours while maintaining pay for all employees did not seem obvious. So, therefore, in any case, I'm excited about this legislation and we are really working step by step towards enabling employees to adapt their working life to their individual needs. And in my opinion, that's something that should really be applauded.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Thanks, thanks, Jessica. Uh Thomas?
2: Mm, in, in conclusion, I think that this Labour deal is a very good first step in the right direction. Uh, even though it has been uh, heavily criticized by economists, uh, legal scholars, uh, several organizations, I do believe that some promising steps will be taken and have been taken towards uh, modernizing our Labour law and, and more importantly, our, our Labour market as a whole. Uh, However, I I, I may have to agree that this is indeed not the revolution or the ground-shifting change we were hoping or or waiting for. And also, unfortunately, many Belgian SMEs, uh, small and medium-sized companies, uh, will will, will fall outside of the scope of of this labor deal. Uh, Nevertheless, I I remain hopeful and optimistic uh, for what is still to come, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Okay, maybe no, no giant leap then, but important nonetheless. And uh, as you said, Thomas, it will be interesting to see what the future holds um, as far as the modernization of of our labor law and and our labor market as a whole is concerned. Um, Definitely. Jessica Thomas, I'd really like to thank both of you for your valuable insights um, into the labor deal.
2: You're very welcome.
1: Very welcome.
0: I'd also like to thank our listeners um, and tell them to keep an eye on your favorite podcast platform or our website. For the next episodes of the Workforce podcast, we still have some very interesting topics in the pipeline, but for now, wishing you all a good day.